Hello and welcome to episode three already of the podcast of our podcast, the AI Boardroom. Um, of course, again with my awesome co-host Svetlana. Hello, hello. <laughs> How are you doing? Oh, it's been a busy week, um, but yeah, no, I'm definitely learning a lot. Continuing to learn from businesses and where they are, and um, yeah, yeah you have, I think you, you you have a lot going on. That, that, that like uh, to, to our to our here uh, viewers here to our audience audience is the right word. Um, Svetlana is always like I, I'm I always really uh, shocked how much you are able to do in a week. It's uh, <laughs> it's really cool. It's my superpower. Um, being <laughs> it is, very definitely. productive with my my time, try to fit and as AI, much as I can. And the things AI makes you even more productive. That's awesome, right? Oh yeah, yeah. I wouldn't be able to do a lot of the things without automations, and yeah, for sure. Cool. We we don't just walk uh, talk the talk. We walk the walk. I think both of we us. We have to. We have to. Yeah. <laughs> still still need some, still need some more AI to to process the podcast. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Okay. Um. I, like we we didn't do news stories that much the last uh, two episodes, but I, I like one big news this week we have to talk about. Uh, it's the Gemini release. What's what's your opinion on that? You tried it out already, right? Oh yeah, um, I jumped right on it when I saw a lot of people kind of talking about it and making it seem like oh it's huge. Um, there are a few things that I think from quality standpoint and the output, I think it's still similar to what Bard was producing. So I wasn't really impressed by the quality. Um, and I'm just talking about the chatbot is, is what I've, I've kind of tested. But the um, also I, I use a lot of like the upload function mm -hmm. to kind of review things. Sometimes I write notes in like a separate document and I want to upload and say like refer. Yeah. Um, to it, and so I feel like other than imaging, um, you can't really upload documents. Sometimes I, I do some work on um, just kind of PDFs or research articles, right? Just like summarize this, and it's not able to do do it for me. And I think the context window is still shorter than, if I'm not mistaken, ChatGPT. So there are a few things that I think they still need to work on. Mm -hmm. But what Bard I <clears throat> I may have mentioned before, what I used Bard for is mostly research anyway. Um, I just wanted to see if I could also use it for other things. But yeah, I think for me, it's still going to be one of those tools that I use for research and then <clears throat> summarizing latest um, kind of events and, and other things that are much more current because that's the advantage of Google um, yeah, Bard yeah, yeah. is that it has access to more newer data that they've... Yeah, they, they, have, they, have, they must have some, some continuous uh, updating on their side. Uh, I'll, I'll still try to to get some inside information from 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 my brother but uh, he won't <laughs> he won't tell me anything uh, that's right uh, you said that your brother kind of ha is uh on the inside right yeah yeah, yeah he's he's actively working on that stuff so um that's that's interesting but um uh yeah like like i like i told like he's not allowed to tell anyone anything um e even like uh uh, if even if I ask <laughs> with my with my most dog-like uh, um, <laughs> look on my face. <laughs> well, the funny, uh, you know, the interesting thing that I want you to note is that it's interesting to me. At least it was insightful that Google is taking that like Apple approach to secrecy, mm -hmm. like keeping things secret and 
do you think more and more companies are going to approach AI, at least the larger uh, corporations, not just Google, but I'm curious if like, we just don't know. Um, that depends, but I, feel like I think. Uh, like OpenAI is also pretty secretive. Uh, like they, you basically get nothing, uh, nothing leaked. Google has a history of uh, stuff being leaked. Like every Google phone is like half a year in advance. You have the press photos. <laughs> so um, <laughs> that's, uh, uh, that's something. Um, Google plays with it on that part. But I think in the whole AI stuff, it's, it's more crucial. There is also some security stuff and image stuff involved, I guess. Because like a startup putting stuff out which can help you build uh, a bomb for example uh, to, to, to be some uh, to have something which should not work be yeah <laughs> uh, um, if, if OpenAI does it and it, it, it fires back it's not as big of an um, a backlash if Google does it they have a lot more to lose on that one so uh, I, I kind of get where they where they are coming from um, but in the end um, uh, I think it depends. Like you ask if, if it's uh, going to be more secrecy. Uh, look at Meta. They basically have no secrecy at all. Like they, they put everything out open source. Or like They're like, welcome. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and, and not, like Zuckerberg is also this week told uh, that they pretty much are going to make sure that AGI is going to be open source. Um, and, and they, they like the, the one thing open source doesn't have like from the get go is compute. And with Meta on the open source side, compute is not that big of an issue anymore. Um, which uh, I, I was really curious to, to well, I am really curious to see what Meta is doing because uh, I don't know if you see the social network, like uh, the f film about the Facebook founding. Um, and I, I don't know if Jesse Eisenberg portrayed Zuckerberg uh, uh, properly in that one, but I feel I see that Zuckerberg again, like this, 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 the, the guy that has an idea and he knows it is good and he's driving it forward. And I think that Zuckerberg is pretty much uh, a force to reckon with. So we'll see. Interesting. One, one other thing that I'll mention, just kind of, uh, <laughs> we'll go back to, to, to speaking on, on our topic, but the um, related news um, is, you know, AGI, did you read or did you see kind of the um, talks about Sam Altman asking to raise five to seven trillion dollars to build AGI? <laughs> have no, you seen I, that? I, uh, no, I didn't. I have heard something, um, yeah. uh, but but it was like in some tech news, uh, um, uh, like just condensed in some some sentences. Uh, <laughs> I have to say, ah no, like, oh. well, uh, wasn't it about about um, uh, chip manufacturing also? Yes, yeah, yeah, plant. Yeah, yeah. yeah, to be uh, able to support kind of that level of, and I think well, we'll get to it when we talk about kind of our topics. But <laughs> the yeah, the raise for for funding in kind of startup land is like the game is is really. Instead of asking for millions, much, we're now in the how trillions. Much funding, how much funding is going on in the valley each year? I don't know. I can do maybe. I let me see. Because because but like what I was thinking is like uh, also the news uh, I told like they said like it's three times what chip manufacturing does a year <laughs> at the moment like in in revenue, <laughs> not even a profit or something. Uh, it's just a ridiculous number. For example, Germany has a GDP of 4.8 or something, 4.6 trillion. <laughs> well, it says U.S. venture funds raised 67 billion. Yeah, so, yeah, that's that's uh, what what like 
you basically if you go in the trillions you have to be backed by uh, either everyone or a country um, a country yeah uh, I was gonna say find the rich country that. Uh, <laughs> like they're only like even the US would have have a hard time to back something with that much money um. well you know I, I think it, it's a little bit humorous to me that like yeah. some Altman is like I'll build AGI if you give me the money <laughs> <laughs> it's like um yeah. yeah it's it's a lot of money you're asking for um <laughs> maybe you can kind of make but, but some was small it, was tweaks it serious or was it just a joke and people didn't take it the right way like i like think it was it was maybe based on like a, an interview it sounds mm. like that he did and i think he's mentioned that then of course media grabs onto what sticks and then they exploded but just the fact that he's mentioned something um, around building AGI, and I think it's not new, right? Like that's mm -hmm. kind of there's conspiracy theories for why you know Sam Altman was kicked out out of OpenAI because of his pursuits towards AGI. Um, but maybe there it wasn't a conspiracy theory because I think he does want to start an initiative. But now again, it's coming more and more to the surface through some of these interviews. Um, but yeah, I think there may be some initiative. But now he's like maybe labeling or putting a number to it too. Uh, interesting, interesting. Yeah, like um, I, I'm personally a big fan of Sam Altman. I think he's really, he really has a plan and he's really like intrinsically motivated and not by money. Like, um, uh, mm -hmm. and, and like he says it a lot, but I also believe him that it's not money driven, um, but it's like the, uh, like think about it. Like for him, it's like being the guy that w made AGI possible. It's like nothing you can buy for any money in the world. So, um, uh, well maybe That's for five to seven trillion. <laughs> for that matter. <laughs> yeah. Um, talking about AGI, we are not there yet. AGI, but like if I imagine AGI, it's more or less like a perfect system knowing a lot more than we do. Um, And, and, and doing everything better than we humans do. But we are not there yet, um, as many of you will know. And that brings us to today's topic. Would you elaborate? And, and do you want to uh, define AGI? Um, maybe for some of the audience members that don't understand uh, what that might mean. I think it's, it's yeah. Uh, like AGI is artificial general intelligence. And that's like the, the, the G is a big one, um, a really big one. Um, so AI, everyone knows artificial intelligence. but. Um, at uh, AI systems as we know them, as we sell them, um, as we can use them, are specific systems. They are not, they have not, um, they cannot do everything, basically, um, at least like from a knowledge work perspective. Um, but AI systems have some specialities. Um, they may be not as good at math if you look at large language models, but then there are other AI systems that, they, that are. And having a GI, like artificial general intelligence, means having an AI system. It can have different models, but having a system that's capable of basically doing anything you should throw at it. So uh, be it math, be it um, uh, poetry, be it like uh, drawing, m making music, stuff like that. So um, that's, that's like at least my understanding. I have to say, though, there is a lot of definitions um, there are also like basically stages. It's like with autonomous driving. Autonomous driving has five stages. There's like level one and two is basically what we had was basic assistance system, like braking assistance and stuff like that. And then you have level three, which is partly autonomous, but you have still to be able to, to take over. 
part four is already like completely autonomous, but you still have a wheel in your car. And uh, level five would be like completely autonomous. You don't even have um, like a steering wheel in the car anymore. Um, <laughs> and there is also there are also similar definitions on AGI or that. But basically, now we have specialized systems that can do a lot of things, but not close to everything. AGI would be able to do anything. Yeah, anything you throw at it. And I think that um, the systems, another term you may have heard is artificial narrow intelligence. And that's what you're kind of talking about when it comes mm -hmm. to specialized systems. So they're really good at one specific task or like a subset of related tasks. Um, but even, you know, you might say like, oh, well, ChatGPT can do a lot. It's truly multimodal. I think it's behind the scenes. It is very much, you know, multiple um, specialized systems architected together to support the chat feature. So, but it's not a single model that is able to really interpret and operate under. But, but um, I think, I think that's like for at least for me, um, that's fine. The thing is, if I have one system that something goes in and there is one result that's coming out, what's in between? If it's a mix, mixture of expert model like uh, GPT-4 is was having like different models uh, working w together. That's fine. It's for me still would be an AGI system, if it's like that. But it has yeah, to it has it has to have one interface and one output basically. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. So I'd agree. So I think that that's um, yeah. Just some some definitions for for our audience as we kind of dive into it. But um, what we want you to talk to you all about today is the fact that AI systems are not perfect and why that's. Totally okay, and that's actually an advantage um, to to organizations. So, you want to kick things off? Um, yeah, of course. Um, yeah, like we have systems uh, in place now that are not general intelligent. That's what we just um, explained. Um, what does it mean? Like we have different approaches to to classify that, but basically, it means if you have a task, you can automate with AI today and with large language models um, uh, like lately um, a lot of a lot more tasks could be can be automated than ever possible before but the automation won't be perfect like maybe you get to 70 degree uh, 70 percent of uh, uh, times that it's work working properly maybe you get 50 maybe you get 90 you won't get 100 uh, and for a long time I think but neither will humans. And that's, uh, um, that's something um, that, that always like, drives me when I build these solutions. I don't need them to be perfect, but I need to be able to work with imperfection. And that's basically the task. Um, and uh, yeah, what's your, what's your take on it? Yeah, I think uh, it's, it helps to understand how AI systems are built. And so if they're really pattern finders um, in data, so there's basically three key elements to all AI systems. It's data, algorithms, and processing power. And so you have, if you have data, all AI systems are doing, again, is you're, you're trying to find the right algorithm to try to fit as much of the training data as it possibly can to come up with some way of representing that data via, again, like a mathematical equation or some complex algorithm. And so by definition, you're not 
going to fit every possible data. There's always going to be like those edge cases um, that's just not ever going to line up on, you know, these these representations or basically these lines or algorithms. There's always going to be, again, things that are uncommon um, of what you've kind of unplanned. And that's okay because you don't also want your algorithms to overfit your data to be able to not be able to handle like these random cases. So mm -hmm. just even by definitions of how these AI systems work kind of behind the scenes, there's, um, you can't build again, like a, a single algorithm that's going to fit your data perfectly and you don't want it to be. Um, and so I think the key is, is truly understand that how, kind of these, these systems really find data and that it's even when you build the initial set, you're just basically mm -hmm. trying to take your data, try to plot some or let the algorithm do its work to find some representation of that data. It's not going to be perfect. Yeah. And, but the thing is, is like you're, you're going to have multiple iterations. You're going to put it in the field for it to improve over time. And so you just need to get it out at yeah. a com comfortable state. Um, so, so yeah, for you. Like from a product standpoint, like you have you have a you have an issue or you have a topic you want to solve with AI, and you imagine a, a product, a solution, to to you you could come up with to solve that. Um, you basically have the same, which you would have had with like classical systems, um, but uh, now we have. Uh, like a non-deterministic system kind of. I, I, I'm not sure if that's mathematically correct, but I'm, uh, like the output isn't consistent. So if I put the same thing in, it's not getting me the same thing out every time. Um, and uh, that's, uh, that's, yeah, down to different factors, like you just told, like it's a mathematical equation and we work with probabilities and they can go either way. <laughs> um, that said, if you start with any product, AI or not, you have to go through different stages of usage mm -hmm. to, to, to have it become better. The cool thing with AI, but, uh, though, is if you are at, um, going to, to iron out this stuff uh, now, you still will get like improvements for free later down the road if you just update the underlying model. Um, so uh, a lot of stuff will, will get faster, will get more reliant, will get um, qu quality will be higher, uh, and you, s uh, you you can then take all the improvements to not then work on the stuff uh, you, you would have worked on like if you started earlier, but then you can take all the improvements and do really valuable stuff and add value to the uh, product itself. So um, uh, starting early. Is always uh, always gives you a benefit of time, of course, but in the case of AI solutions, it also gives you the opportunity to to make more of what's coming, and um, that's pretty interesting, at least for me. And I, and I think with um, something that some of our listeners m may have heard about is that we're running out of training data for these large language models, and what we're kind of talking about is. Um, quality data that's already available on the web. So these models do take um, take in or ingest a lot of this data that we as humans just don't have the capacity to produce to continue to feed it data. So 
at some point, you know, the developers have to take a call to say like, okay, we've kind of gotten a, a big chunk of data and then now we're going to have to put it in, into the market. So es essentially what you're doing is you're capturing, you're, you're um, creating more data, but instead of it being um, kind of the training data, it's user-generated. So you are basically, when you push your production live, instead of, again, like relying and trying to source all of this data and buying data and all of that stuff, you're pushing it out and then you're letting your users engage with the system mm -hmm. and it's creating more data that you could capa uh, capitalize on. And I think that's what you're kind of talking about is that you're now building your own data sets that you mm -hmm. own and you don't necessarily just need to use it to improve that particular system, but all of those data points become inputs to other parallel use yep. cases too. Yeah, and, and, uh, and that's... Uh, also, um, maybe something um, like you, you maybe may run off pub out of public data at some point, but uh, we still have a lot of private data lying around for your use case in your company. Sometimes, like if you're talking about insurance companies, like billions of data points that just aren't used, <laughs> um, mm -hmm. which, which uh, because because um, there there is no one able to 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 really capture the whole picture because there are too many data points and like AI is basically able to uh, uh, to capture a lot of data points by yeah like working like how it works, um, which which then leads to to a lot of um, uh, with uh, a lot of data which you then start preparing for your new upcoming solution which is also then ready and you like uh, there, are, there are a lot of benefits to start as early as possible because there is a lot of work involved to get this thing off the ground and if you've done it you are even more able to extract value from it later down the road values you maybe don't even see right now and today but will uh, will present themselves uh, when the when the underlying technology gets better. And I think that kind of speaks to I like that that point of a value, and I think it's it's really important for I think our audience to capture. And, and I think that's a, a huge differentiator between the AI systems and kind of the way of uh, building traditional products. Because and I think we talked a little bit about this prior to kind of recording this. So typical products uh, go through four phases of maturity. Um, and sometimes it can be expanded into like even physical products too. So you have the introduction phase, you have the growth phase when you're kind of getting that, that traction going and people discover more and then they try to adapt it. And then you, you go through this maturity phase that is starts to taper off and then goes and enters the decline phase. Mm -hmm. And then typically, I mean, other than pushing more marketing, investing more marketing dollars in, in order to drive more users to the platform, typically the value of the product, the longer it is in market, it tends to uh, become less relevant and it could decline um, and basically if gets If you do not reinvent tabled. of course, yeah. Of course, yeah. So unless you kind of rethink, relaunch um, with new features, new offerings, the tendency for, for um, a traditional product is to to go into that decline phase with AI products, um, and the way to describe it is, is um, you could you could look this up. It's called the flywheel. So instead of it having that kind of line with the decline at the end, it is truly like a cycle that um, kind of these these products enter. So you you kind of start with this data that you've generated, which provides some of the recommendations which give you a better experience than the existing products, which drive usage, 
that those users generate more data for that platform, which leads to better recommendations to then lead to a better experience recruiting more users or having people talking about that more, which again generates even more data. So it's, 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 a, it's a continuous cycle of improvement. And so again, this is kind of goes back to what we were just talking about is that you don't want these systems to be perfect when you launch them because once your product enters that cycle, users help to improve the recommendations of your AI systems. And the sooner you enter or you launch that, that product into the market, I think the timing is really key, but the, the idea of shooting for perfection, again, is, is a little bit flawed. And I think that's where a lot of companies get caught up. Well, AI systems are not perfect. We're really not trusting their output. Well, launch it as a small pilot, you know, yeah. put it out in the market to let your users really drive that accuracy. And, it's, it's, it's and like always like get a testing field, get it, get it in some, some environment where it does not break a lot of things or, or, or cannot break things. Um, and try it out uh, it's just like we have also with our ai uh, customers it's the same like of course all uh, they all like um especially uh, like we work with enterprise customers they're even more um, in, um like inclined to to really stick with what they have and not to try new stuff um and for them we also tell them like let's just do it let's let, let us prove it we give it off we, gi we give it to you for free the first month and see see how you uh, uh how it's how it's working um and uh, because for for us of course it's a bit of work but right now we have to build up trust um to to uh, to people that we have a commercially usable product um and that's mm -hmm. also something I might have already touched on it uh, in the last episode, but um, if you build something, you have to to really battle test it. So because with AI, and this, I, I told I told it um, my wife like two days ago, so I feel with AI the the jump from uh, from the prototype phase to a commercially viable product is as huge as I've ever seen one, um, and. Um, that it has different consequences. Um, what do I mean by that? Like building a first chatbot who does like basically 70% of what you want it to do is a matter of half a day. Getting it to 80% it's a matter of weeks. Getting it to 90% of, to, to, uh, of you having the product at a place where it works like you want it to, it might, might be months. And the sooner you start the process, the sooner you get it out, the sooner you iron out the, the, the problems with it, the sooner you get real high value and the sooner it will become a commercially viable product internally or externally, whatever you're shooting for. And that's, I think, um, I will also like in the end have an example uh, ready where we also uh, try the new stuff before it's even ready for, for, for launch um, just to, to get the stuff out. And I think timing is really key, it sounds like, <clears throat> with launching these these systems. And again, like there's data behind it. And I think it's it's true. It does take time and effort to actually launch. Um, you know, the, these products, I think with chatbots, again, depending on technology and if you're using kind of established models, open source or something like that, that, that helps expedite that development cycle. So if you don't have to build a proprietary model, it's always great. But even then fine-tuning it to your use case, to your users, and then the building that trust does take some time. So the sooner you actually launch a pilot or put it in the hands of consumers and, and users, 
the more data, again, you're starting to collect and it actually improves better. And I think this is true of all systems, what you've mentioned, and I think um, not a lot of people realize that because these systems are not perfect, the first improvements that you're going to see are going to be very um, exponential. So you're going to go, well, no, I think the subtle, subtleness comes back, it comes down later down down the pike. I, but the yeah, first okay, model... Okay, yeah, I got, got you wrong on that one. Yeah. yeah. So I think what I'm trying to say is like when you build the first use case, you're going to see like when you fine tune or maybe um, specify what you wanted to do between like just the traditional out of the box model to like fine tuned um, output, you're going to see 30% improvement like with first iteration. And then the second iteration, you're going to see 20. And then so you're going to reach like... And at some point, it, that improvement starts to taper off to say like, oh, now it's improving at like 5%. Like, is, are we doing something wrong? No. Um, so I think it's again natural for you to see kind of gradual improvements initially. And so you want to get those gradual improvements through usage, through fine tuning, but how do you do that if you don't involve users, right? Mm -hmm. um, and I think the sooner you can get that ballpark improvements out, you're gonna get a solid, good enough product um, to then consider more, more mature to then l launch into the public right mm -hmm. so but you or, have or, to build or, or that company wise so like whatever you're aiming for like a be yeah so like an internally facing product but i think that's key is you know and i say this a lot value delivered is when you put something in front of the customer so you yeah. could sit there and fine tune and and customize Ooh, your model try. for yeah, yeah. years but then when you launch it in, in front of the users it, you could be completely off um, also, so you want to make sure that the sooner you can actually build and you feel good about where mm -hmm. that model is based on your own be best guesses and hypotheses, yeah. launch a small pilot, get that feedback, fine tune it more. So they, it, those users are going are gonna to help to take that product to, again, that level of good enough to launch to broader audiences that, again, you're going to just can enter that flywheel and... Um, improve that product over time. So don't shoot for, 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 for perfection. It's actually good to get it to that state because users are going to help to take your product to what exactly they need. Yeah. yeah. And also, uh, like, like for us, um, of course, like we have basically started uh, building like a complete AI product. Um, and of course, we, we try everything like even remotely new and better um, uh, directly and try to incorporate it because the, we have to, um, because the field is so new. Um, but also with every every customer I talk to, don't even I, I don't even need the customer to try it, I just need the feedback on the basic concept. Uh, and, and only that like brought product forward like 200% um, in, 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 in like two or three talks. So. Uh, get stuff out. Uh, get get stuff um, uh, to your like if it's internal. Get it to 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 a small test group um, of really people really involved in the process that you want to change um, and though you want to improve on. And and then yeah, take it from there. That's uh, definitely one of the best things you can do um, because yeah, we you will not bring it to perfection. You will not even bring it to uh, to a level where you feel comfortable with but um, the one, one thing I always think about it when, I, when I talk about this is like are humans perfect if someone's starting uh, a new process uh, in your company um, will it be perfect I think not so um, 
that's that's something to keep in mind like also the, the benchmarks you see on ai systems <laughs> it's like always oh they are only 87 percent i feel safe as a human and then you look at the human score and see 83 <laughs> <laughs> no, that's, a, that's a valid point i think you know we forget that um and i like the quote by voltaire it's perfect as the enemy of good yeah. um and we don't recognize, again, we judge, we have these these high standards for AI systems thinking that, well, they're intelligence, they, they, they need to be 100%. Um, but the thing is, is like we've actually architected or we kind of frame them up in terms of like how humans learn also. So like you have to kind of benchmark its performance also according to humans too. So how well is it doing in comparison to those tasks that humans do? And sometimes again, like when you look uh, statistics, some of these systems perform subpar to humans, but I think it's just a matter of time yeah. until they improve. Um, again, once they enter that, that kind of feedback cycle, but then Even there are other already achievement, which is like humongous. So yeah. Yeah. And some of them are already like superseding them, right? So superseding yeah. us. Um, it's, it's, it's becoming more tests. every week, uh, to be, to be completely honest, right? Uh, there are less and less fields, like the fields becoming uh, more and more, uh, ruled by AI-driven systems, take biology uh, uh, to find new proteins. There, there, there. Are, uh, go, go into medicine to to have pattern recognition on on MRI scans and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, the the fields uh, the fields just growing and it's not going to stop any anytime soon. Um, one one thing talking about humans maybe also mm, uh, relevant. If you start early you get your people skilled early and then your people will be able to extract even more when the time uh, brings even better models, even better AI systems. Um, uh, like, like I, I, for, for me, I do it from like, like one and a half years, basically that's what I, that I really do uh, dove, dove into, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, into the, uh, into the topic. And now I have so much knowledge that basically every AI system I try to implement works as I expected because I just have learned how the system behaves um, given some circumstances or context. And, and that's something, it's not because I'm vastly intelligent or something, but it's just I started early and I put a lot of time and effort in. And that's what you uh, have to aim for with your staff too. Like, uh, if you want to uh, build AI into your uh, into your uh, company, into your corporation, yeah, go ahead and train the people and get them skilled. And they only will be skilled if they work with it. Like being mm -hmm. somewhere in in some uh, like watching YouTube videos uh, all day long will not bring you anything because yeah, you have to um, you have to get into you have to start building. Otherwise, you w won't be of any use. It's learning by doing, right? So it's practice makes perfect. Again, we were talking a lot about perfection, but it's truly, <laughs> I think the more, the more you do something, it's, it's like you're building that muscle. And what I'm finding also by working with uh, leaders is that the sooner you get your either team started or you yourself get started with using AI, it's going to spark a lot of ideas. So yeah, yeah. if you start delegating it tasks and um, different things to do. You're just like, oh, I wonder if it can help me with this. Mm -hmm. And you, you, right. you know, you stumble upon a different use case, um, you know, in discussions. And you're like, oh, I wonder if we could, you know, upload this into ChatGPT and have it do, 
you know, something else. Yeah. And so, yeah, I, I find that a lot that it sparks not only creativity from um, content generation, but the fact that you're using it and then you're delegating, let, let's say, one use case of it a day, just whatever task that you're doing a, a day, just pass it on to ChatGPT and see how it can handle it. But next yeah. time, I think you stumble again in discussions. Um, you're like, oh, I wonder if I could do X. And you're starting to really push ChatGPT or like these other systems to the boundaries. Oh, I wonder if, and that's that's exactly, the sooner you, you get to use it, the more ideas it's going to spark, um, not just for you, but your teams as well. So yeah, yeah. I, think, I think extracting value from this depends mostly on having understood the pattern of it. So um, you, you have to, there is a new paradigm, a new way of thinking about solutions, including AI, because you have uh, a system that does not behave exactly the same every time and you have to learn to deal with it that means you have to think about solutions vastly different than before and that's um and that's the interesting part for me like i i, I love that stuff honestly <laughs> for me it's uh, it's uh, it's really oftentimes i have to to um disconnect myself from all my previous it knowledge and think about like how would you teach a human doing this so what would you say uh, how would you formulate it um and and then go back to the technical side because um i to be honest i've never coded so uh little to get so much results and that's a good thing um but you really have to find the right language literally um to, to get the results you want and the consistency you want and you have to also see what are you do what are you going to do with the, the results do you give them to another AI maybe to to, to, to check them or not like uh, stuff mm -hmm. like that just uh, also if you type it into ChatGPT do you type it like in and take the answer or do you try to make a discussion from it from, from the get go um, stuff like that and uh, that that's like learn the paradigms get get a feeling for that i i, I, I would love to give an example from from something completely different um uh, i started to to play football just to to get some some movement into my life um <laughs> yeah, i like football i always played it but i never played it um on the real like big pitch with with like grown-up men so i go in there i play and I basically have no idea what to do because I, I don't have the underlying I, I don't understand the underlying um, concept by heart. I know the tactics from a theoretical standpoint, but I never stand, uh, stood on the pitch before. And now I have to always orient myself and always try to, 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 to not be a waste of, of, of air on the, on the pitch. <laughs> 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 and, uh, um, and, and, it only will get better and now it gets better like of course after time because i understand some basic concepts and basic principles and that's where it starts to become fun because until then it's not fun it's just like feeling lost a lot of the time <laughs> and if you don't want to feel lost in ai learn the rules learn the concepts learn the the paradigms and get a feeling for it yeah, and I think you're spot on. I think initially it'll be uncomfortable, although I think that a lot of the user interfaces right now are, you, you know, are built very user-friendly. Mm -hmm. But like, how do you interact with it? Like, what do you ask for it to do? Like, 
I would say just talk to it like you're um, kind of talking to a colleague um, or someone like this is, or maybe a virtual assistant or your mm. executive assistant, right? Just, hey, I need to do X and then pass, pass it like some context and then ask for it to, to do that task for you and just see what it comes back with. Um, even though someone um, I spoken with last time, I was just like, even me, I was just like, I don't know why I'm so silly. I haven't thought about it myself, but you know, one of the things that it takes me a long time for even my LinkedIn posts is actually generating the images. Cause I'm like, I'll, I'll write mm -hmm. the content within, you know, minutes, but then I sit there for like half an hour. I'm like, okay, well, <laughs> what kind of image should I be like associating this with so people can like really connect to the concept? And so he's like, why don't you just like copy your post and ask Dali to brainstorm what you should be posting? I was like, that's, um, yeah, that's, that's amazing. But like, <laughs> there's just so many things like uh, even myself, I didn't really think of that, but I was like, that's brilliant. Why haven't yeah. I thought of that? Um, so like, yeah, why do I have always, to do all of this thinking? Yeah. You always, uh, I don't, I don't know the English wording for it, but you have, um, uh, you have like uh, your vision, like covered, uh, left and right. Um, uh, and like tunnel vision, uh, like a tunnel vision. Yeah. Um, and this is tunnel vision. Yeah. Oftentimes, uh, makes you not see the obvious stuff that's like left and right of you. Um, <laughs> I imagine how it would be like with the Vision Pro where you have an actual tunnel. <laughs> <which> <laughs> oh my goodness. Uh, yeah, I think we need no, to. Um, but but uh, one thing I wanted to add there is, um, yeah, we, we have to, um, we, uh, I forget what I wanted to say. Fuck. Damn tunnel. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> took you off off the topic. No, but I think that you're right. I think sometimes, <clears throat> even myself, like someone who uses AI tools, like I sometimes even find myself not thinking outside of the box and using it. But like through conversations that you have of others using it, right? So like the more people use it, even within the organization, they're going to share ideas. I think that's you're going to have a network effect that way as well. So me talking yeah, to definitely. you, like, hey, I've yeah, used yeah, X, course. Y, and Z, and then. Again, there's a lot of people um, who start benefiting. It's not just yourself. So I tend to yeah, just operate crucial. on my own. So until I had those conversations with someone else who's, again, like a very yeah. uh, heavy user of some of these systems, they're like, oh, I don't you X, Y, and Z. Like, that's brilliant. I didn't think of that. That's awesome. So just think about I, it. I, I have it in honestly all the time. Uh, even, even talking to, uh, to potential customers, uh, not even talking to other AI experts, but talking about AI with people who might use it. Uh, sparked some new things because they just ask questions about stuff like ah yeah I should have thought about that <laughs> right <laughs> I'll get you I'll get back to you on that so, um, no I, I remember what I wanted to say um, it's also in the end for me always uh, a thing of um, also handling the frustration because a lot of times you, you have a discussion through different things your context grows and um you would just get stuck sometimes you just tell gpt like this code doesn't work because that is wrong and he gives you back the exact same code and it's <laughs> frustrating at times um but yeah that's that's just uh yeah you have to 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 like have you have to have the ability to to not let yourself down by that and um it's not the ai per se that it's just uh, not usable but you might have to to have a, um, you might have to have another take on or another approach on what you actually want to do. So um, yeah, I think um, 
like like always like the same rules apply here like like they apl apply to life uh, you have to have some tolerance to frustration uh, to get stuff uh, um, to a point where it's really good and it's really helpful um, so don't give up too early on AI because of course it is not perfect but it's Uh, a lot of it is a matter of how you use it and, and how you understand it. Yeah, and I think, <clears throat> I know we talk, we talk about, um, you know, Gen AI um, here as well, but I think a, a lot of this kind of feedback also applies to other proprietary systems. So I do have experience, and I think you do too, um, about building kind of your own models, um, proprietary models that are unique to your use case. So again, some of the same things that we talk about, like even if you're building it for your customers and, and other things, um, the more they use it, the more feedback that they provide, the better your systems really become. And so I think that's really crucial um, to get out of that building mode, the sooner the better. And again, let your users kind of think about, because again, you're, you're going to get stuck in ideating all of these different scenarios that may not be relevant to the user. Um, and so the sooner you launch this um, with, with users and start to get that feedback, they'll tell you what features or what things yeah. matter to them so that you Or know you exactly what to spend. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think speaking of which, I think <clears throat> I want you to talk about like some tactics, maybe just high level for how do these systems really learn? So mm -hmm. we say a lot like, Okay, well, <clears throat> just launch it. What does that mean? So how do these systems learn? How do you improve on it? Yeah, yeah so what's, what, what kind of data is it collecting and how is it learning? Yeah, it's also something uh, in your solution design um, you have to keep in mind. Like if you want the system to improve over time, you have to have mechanisms to um, first record history in a proper manner with proper um, context uh, recorded as well. Um, and you then have to, uh, uh, to, to expand your solution um, to, to make use of that data um, to improve the overall solution, the overall, um, um, the overall system. Yeah, and then so you would just bring in experts to help you, but ultimately I think it's, um, you know, when you train the models um, or these models are trained, right? So you get either out of the box or you build your proprietary system. So you have to build in pipelines <clears throat> that of data that's going to be coming in new as feedback that will, again, feed out those learnings. So everything is this part of that flywheel needs to be connected. So getting those users and engaging data when they generate data through usage mm -hmm. by giving you feedback through the system. So it could be explicit or implicit, explicit yeah. meaning that they actually have to press something like explicitly yeah. tell you this is wrong or they implicitly tell you this through usage. So they tend to see a result and they're like, forget it, and they close the window. Um, that's probably like an indicator that they were upset with your output and it's probably, it was wrong and they've kind of gone to, to use a different system. But again, there's different ways for these systems to learn and really improve these, these things. And it's important, I think, as you mentioned, to build those pipelines to make sure that that data that's newly generated by the users is fed back to that engine to really improve. I, I, I note this down for another episode, I think. It might be something to dive into a bit deeper. Um, the feedback? Yeah, yeah. How to, yeah, just how to, how to uh, design systems for them to, to improve over time. Yeah. No, I think, I think it's, um, it's important to have, again, to like tap into those network and learning effects of these AI systems and what, 
Um, again, we've kind of spoken about it, but like the network effect of AI is having more users yeah. basically using the system. And then the learning effects is, is, is more people using it. The more data you generate, yeah. the better, or it has more access to data points to learn from. And so again, there's a name and again, logic to, to this madness. Um, but the sooner you tap into more people and tap into those learnings, the, the better um, you're off. So again, this applies to either out-of-the-box systems or um, proprietary models that you, you end up building on your own. Yeah, yeah definitely. Um, I would love just to, to give one practical example um, well, with, uh, with kind of a shameless plug from my side. Um, the AI system we work on should yeah, uh, um, improve the support system or like the support processes uh, on, on for big companies and one thing i um uh, like it's crucial for us is having the proper documents uh, as a basis and like from from earlier startup experience i know if you have people at a uh, if you want to sell a product and people have to p put work in it for it to even work it's not a good thing for your product <laughs> um, because people do not want extra work when they buy stuff they want to be helped and so um, I went ahead and um, tried to think about things we can do with current AI systems. And mm -hmm. one, uh, one idea uh, which I came up with was to having someone um, putting up a screen share, just showing you what to do and how to handle a situation and then generate documents from that. Uh, that stuff, of course, needs some kind of image recognition, mm -hmm. but not like OCR stuff. Uh, as we did earlier but really like understanding what's happening and right now you can um, use GPT-4 Vision for example or the new Gemini of, uh, is also capable um, and give it a series of images and say hey this is a video what's happening here so um, you can recognize that uh, series of images and, and it can work with it but that whole stuff is still really early <laughs> and he sometimes screwed up, screws up a lot, and even the model itself is still in preview, so it's not production ready, like for production loads, um, which makes it like per definition a best a better product. But I still already thought about this. I already thought about all the ins and outs, how to um, how to to get the screen share, how to um, save the data, how to improve on the experience. How can I maybe show some boxes in the screen share itself to, to for people not to only show me but guide them this video? So even think like w one one step ahead, and that's basically um, where where I have myself experienced this to to jump early on an op on a preview on an option to get all the stuff figured out, and then when they update the model and it's production ready, I just switch the model and I'm ready to go. And then I can see what's now possible on up uh, on that, um, and I do not lose another three months of what, how long it will ever take um, to then start, and then miss already the next updates because it's like the whole AI stuff. So there's so much going on and so much happening, and the updates are flying in daily. Um, oh yeah. If you lose track, you lose a lot of track. So and I think just that fast. Yeah. 
So the and I and I think that there's um, some things that you could do to protect it. I think maybe if, uh, a topic for another episode too. But there's um, a way to protect your architecture and like make sure that it's not throwaway work altogether. But having that flexibility to accommodate new models, as, as you mentioned, you should not architect or hard code anything in the age of AI. Like, do yeah. not you know commit yourself a hundred percent to a single. Uh, product and I think again maybe um, something for for another episode but you want to make sure that it's flexible so in some of the products that we've built we've swapped models already and I actually encourage the teams to have um, a research or basically a, a parallel um, path to mm -hmm. our kind of production <coughs> um, view is like the POCs are about testing these models. And so like plug them into our architecture and see if they're delivering better quality output for our specific use case. And I work in a highly regulated industry. So where quality and, and accuracy is, is really highly valued. Um, so we want to make sure that we're kind of tapping into, so we don't design, we don't go through like three or six months even of building something around one model and then someone judges us to say like, oh, did you know that there's something else? So there's a constant, again, like a backlog of things that our team is testing and validating to make sure that, hey, if we have access to some of these systems, um, that we're trying them. But also gives us flexibility. We build our architecture in a way that it's flexible to say like, okay, well, that works. Why don't we just like bring that in? Like, let's swap them. Um, so all of the other configurations and everything that you've built around the other models still are applicable. You might have to like do some tweaking, but it's not starting from scratch. So I think in the age of AI, I think you've, what you've mentioned is you have to be flexible because like the minute that you think you've got the solution, like next week, something better comes off and you're like, oh, now yeah, I have definitely. to, you know, accommodate. That, that's why so. I also have to stay up to date. I even thought about building myself an AI system, which just uh, um, tries to collect me the information that I need for my, uh, uh, from the whole AI research stuff, because it's like, it's huge. Um, what, what's Can I have happening? a copy of that once it's done? <laughs> yeah, if I have time to <laughs> setting it up, I'll, I'll, I'll let you know. <laughs> oh yeah, I think we're very no, much it's, it's, needed. I, I, I also think I, I might I might have to do some some course or development stuff or so where I get people up and running with that stuff and that thing, thinking um, so that we get... Uh, and then I get a, my, my own network of soldiers <laughs> <laughs> fighting the AI battle with me. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. Um, is there something to add? Do you have something in mind? Because uh, I think um, one thing that I wanted to kind of uh, just touch on, and, uh, and I think the whole kind of idea of the discussion is not to instill any FOMO, like fear of missing out, but just kind of to inspire and uh, inspire action. So once you've built or you have you've you've decided to pursue an AI path for one of your products, I think that again the biggest detriment you can create is to shoot for perfection, um, but the again the value delivered is when you put something in front of the customer and that's done for multiple reasons because you want to deliver value and start measuring it but two there's a huge advantage to putting an ai system in the market soon because it is going to get better and better through usage and that also ensures that you're kind of not sitting just designing and developing training and fine-tuning and overfitting your model behind closed doors so um, the sooner you can get that product out. So it's not uncommon to have these pilots be 
uh, launched within three, six months. If you go beyond that, please find ways to get your product out in the market, like even with the small pilots of users, but yeah. um, make sure that you know you kind of launch it to start capturing some of that value. And then to ensure that you've built the thing that truly your users find valuable. I think I hear a lot also is like, oh yeah, there's, we need to launch this thing. The sooner, the better there's, you know, um, an advantage to getting it to being first in launching this thing. But it, I think that's not what I'm saying. You want to make sure that you built the right yeah. solution. Um, and use the time. That it's, yeah. And use, yeah, use that time to make sure that you've crafted because you could also build more of the wrong thing. So you could have invested all of this time and built something and invested all of this effort building the wrong type of model that produces the wrong type of output. So again, there's multiple reasons for what I think the objective of this of this podcast is, is to inspire action so that you're capturing value from the users, you're getting that feedback, you're building more of the right thing, but also launch it to get kind of the benefit of that, the learning and network effect that these A models have. Yeah, yeah, like uh, I'm the leading authority in uh, uh, doing stuff for nine months and then trying to sell it and it's not going to work. Uh, I can tell you that. <laughs> um, and this time I, I swear I flipped this, uh, uh, the script completely and uh, I, I told, cust uh, like I built like, uh, some, some prototypes to know that at least I can do it like, and do not promise stuff I cannot do. Um, and still then I, like, I, 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 I take what I can do but put 10% on top and then present it uh, <laughs> and, uh, and see and see how people react to it and um, then I come up with a solution um, uh, with a solution I promised and th this solution and that's and that's the beauty of it if you talk to it if you get it out in the wild with a prototype whatever like all the stuff we told about in this episode the beauty of it is the system you then try to develop will be a system that people are asking for actually um, you always have to 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 have like a fine sense of what is like an individual need and what is like a general process need. You have to be careful with that. But also, even that, it's only coming with with uh, us all having um, tried stuff out, talked about stuff, uh, and most importantly, talk with the people that are actually going to use it, and not with their uh, executives only, because there is a lot of disconnect from, from operations to, to management. Yeah, and I think one, one other <clears throat> thing that we say a lot, um, so if you build a model that is the right type of thing, um, and let's say for unique use cases where something like an automation of specific tasks doesn't really exist, and it works 60% of the time, guess what? 60 is better than nothing. Yeah. So either you invest uh, your time and you identify its gaps. So I'm not saying like, it's going to automate 60% of your tasks, not 100. But yeah. again, I'll take that 60% because that's going to provide 60% of efficiency to my um, my teams than over nothing. So again, don't shoot for perfection. Get it out there. And again, let, let the systems improve. And again, there's use, use cases of like using automation computer vision in like manufacturing. You hear that a lot. Um, predictive maintenance and, and other things. But ultimately, the way those kind of... Um, systems learn is, is through feedback. It just knows that, okay, well you missed, you know, we that were producing one. these, yeah. these cups and like, and then it connects that feedback to say like, okay, well, what, what, what happened there? So they take an image that they were processing, let's say of like a, a manufacturing, like a cup 
And then it takes that feedback, it marries it. Okay, next time I know that that type of defect is not acceptable t- by those mm-hmm. humans who reported me. So I'll do better next time. So, those humans. and that again, well, <laughs> I, 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 I'll get rid of them when I can. <laughs> um, don't, don't instill fear in our listeners. But, um, but that's kind of the, the idea is, is to, to get that data and feedback and, um, I think we're also kind of witness some of it. Like you can't anticipate every piece of feedback too when you build these systems behind closed doors, which is why I think when Bard was it Tay System Tay that they or Google launched. I think I think that started like in that realm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So they didn't really test the their system and kind of didn't anticipate a lot of the feedback or usage types or what people would be asking the system. So yeah, it just kind of went into this. Um, it was just like a really bad um, media effect that they, they've experienced because it started to produce some like um, uh, discriminatory, sexist and discriminatory like um, feedback back to the users. Mm-hmm. Um, same thing with like, I think, you know, some of the other, again, launches, product launches like really failed um, because they didn't really get a lot of that usage in. And they, I anticipate probably they've, they've kind of sat with a group of, folks brainstorm some use cases. I think they've gotten it to a good enough uh, state, but they didn't really invite like a volume of users, like actual mm-hmm. users and anticipating some of like the use cases that they've stumbled upon when they launched it. So yeah. I think that pilot phase is really important to get as much of that type of unanticipated user behavior also to iron out before you launch. Because yeah, once you call it a production level systems, then you know you do have all kinds of other expectations from users, but that's why, why I feel like um, that product didn't launch, didn't go as well, <laughs> because they didn't probably do their due diligence of, of going through a, a solid pilot case to really refine their system before it was considered um, production, le- production level ready. Yeah, should have asked us when you, when you asked me. <laughs> <laughs> when in doubt, send it to yeah. Edgar, he'll... he'll <laughs> He'll test it for you. Yeah, Svetlana <laughs> then checks again, and uh, then, then you're good to go, basically. I'm the QA. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, was again a lovely hour with you here. Um, really, really enjoy talking about that stuff. Um, Always. Thanks, everyone, for listening to this episode. Um, yeah, I really, I really think we we, we get into we get into some vibe here, and then some flow. Um, so, uh, if you are, uh, if you audience um, are, uh, think the same. So, excuse me. Um, uh, if you think the same, then uh, yeah, give us a like, subscribe to the channel if you watch on YouTube, um, uh, subscribe to the podcast. What I, I don't even know how it works with podcasts. Do you subscribe to them too? I think so. Yeah. yeah. Like favorite yeah, them or something. Uh, <laughs> and um, yeah. Uh, with that said, uh, next week, uh, new round. We'll, I will still have to decide on the topic, but um, if, if there is anything plenty full, then <laughs> topics uh, about AI. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We have a backlog of ideas, but we want to make sure that we again speak. Yeah. Um, don't just talk the talk we walk the walk so we want to be very much user-centered so if there's any topic that you'd be um curious about for us to cover in the next episode all ears so also (laughs) if you're on youtube put it down in the comments write us um 
theaiboardroom.ai, not.com, like, uh, like I said earlier. Um, uh, theaiboardroom.ai. Um, uh, there you, you can find some information. You can find also contact. Uh, yeah, just uh, hit us with uh, all you, you have to ask and uh, we'll see what we can do for you. And we'll see what we incorporate in the next episodes. Perfect. Well, it was a pleasure. And uh, until next week. Yeah, until next week. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye.